Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. As we mentioned, we know the name of the suspect. We know the fact that this individual has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. Uh, but police are holding a news conference right now in Toronto to update the investigation. Let's listen in. At approximately 1.25 p.m., uh, Toronto Police Service Communications received a phone call stating that there was a personal, uh, personal collision injury and the Young and Finch area. I can tell you seven minutes after that phone call, the Toronto Police Service had a male under arrest for, uh, we believe, responsible for the mass casualty incident that took place. Uh, Detective Sergeant Graham Gibson from the Toronto Homicide Squad is here today. He will be able to give you an overview of the investigation and the status of it right now. Chief Coroner Dirk Heyer is going to be here, and he'll also be able to provide some updates on other aspects of the investigation. But what I will speak uh, to is the next steps with regards to the crime scene itself. Uh, appreciating the fact that we're looking at approximately a kilometer strip of the busiest street in the, in the country. Uh, it's an outdoor scene. There is a lot of uh, evidence that needs to be gathered. However, we try to uh, take every measure possible to expedite the processing of the scene without uh, affecting or compromising the integrity of the investigation. In order to do that, we had to uh, acquire the resources of specialized uh, traffic reconstruction uh, resources from other jurisdictions. Uh, I can tell you the GTA collectively uh, called to pitch in, and uh, we're grateful for that particular uh, uh, help that was uh, asked. However, at the end of the day, we were able to utilize uh, York um, Regional Police Service as well as Peel Regional Services to help assist with processing the scene as quick as possible. I'd also like to thank uh, Commissioner Hawks and the Ontario Provincial Police for also providing special resources uh, in helping um, look after the scene. I can tell you every effort uh, is going to be made to continue to do what we can do to uh, reduce the footprint that we have occupied at this point, and uh, we are hoping by the end of the day to have that particular scene reduced. Uh, now to speak on the actual investigation itself, uh, Detective Sergeant uh, Graham Gibson. Thank you, Chief. I'm going to update you on the uh, investigation aspect of homicides uh, 18 to 27 for this year. Uh, and with regard to the investigation, it is alleged that during the morning hours, as the chief mentioned, of Monday, April 23rd, the accused, now known to be 25-year-old Alec Manassian, attended a rider truck rental facility just north of Toronto. He then proceeded to rent a panel-style van. Uh, subsequent to that, he then made his way to the area of Finch and Young Street in Toronto, and this was around 1.30 p.m. As has been reported in the media, the accused is alleged to have posted a cryptic message on Facebook minutes before he began driving the rented van and he drove it southbound on Young Street and onto the crowded sidewalks. He continued to drive southbound on Young Street, deliberately striking pedestrians on the sidewalk and roadway with the vehicle. The accused was arrested by a member of the Toronto Police Service in the area of Young and Shepherd Avenue. Once arrested, 
the accused was taken to 32 Division and he was investigated by the Homicide Squad. He has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder, 13 counts of attempted murder, and we're anticipating a 14th count of attempted murder, which will be laid shortly following some uh, follow-up investigation. The accused did appear in court today, uh, this morning at 1000 Finch Avenue, and he's being held in custody. As you can imagine, the investigation is uh, extremely detailed and ongoing. And because the accused has been charged, I'm restricted from discussing any evidence involved in the investigation, including any questions per uh, pertaining to motive. At this time, I'm going to appeal to members of the public and the business community um, in the affected area. If you have video of the incident or are a witness and you have not spoken to an investigator uh, tonight or uh, this morning or this afternoon, I'd ask you to reach out as soon as possible to the Homicide Squad or 32 Division to speak with an officer. The TPS has a portal on their homepage for members of the community to upload any video evidence they may have obtained along with their contact information, which can be uh, put in as well. Investigators will be reaching out to witnesses and the surviving victims in the near future to follow up in the investigation. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody right now for their ongoing cooperation. Thank you. So I'd like to start off uh, and speak on behalf of the death investigation system in Ontario and also with my colleagues and all of those others in law enforcement that have been working diligently throughout the night and all afternoon yesterday to express our heartfelt condolences to the families of those who have suffered terrible losses for the tragic deaths and the multiple victims who are also still injured and recovering. Also to not only the families, but also the communities, the city, and everybody generally across Canada and, and, and broader. It's a horrible tragedy and one that hopefully we'll never have to repeat. I'm here working, uh, representing, as I say, the death investigation system, working to support the Toronto Police Service and others as we sort through this tragedy and try to gain an understanding of what's occurred over the past 24 hours, and just over 24 hours. Um, we always work together as a team with uh, police investigators and also with uh, coroners, forensic pathologists and others to try to understand the circumstances. It really depends on the type of case as who will lead that case. In this case, given the, uh, the fact that there are criminal charges and this is a criminal investigation, the police are leading most of the investigation. However, we have the responsibility for the examination of those who are deceased and a key component of that is the identification of those peoples. There's a number of questions that are being raised about when are we going to release the names, who are the people that have died, and when, when can we learn more about them. I'm going to tell you today that we have not confirmed any of the identifications at this point, and we are working to do that work carefully. We clearly recognize and fully sympathize with the families, and we recognize the significance of those and their friends who are desperate to understand and to know the true identities of those who have died. I'll tell you, identifying the victims is our number one priority. And last night, Detective Sergeant and I were working closely with others. There were three coroners that were present at the scene, and we were working closely with our forensic pathology colleagues to help to, 
start that work. But we also have to ensure that we're completely accurate when we do this. So we're always balancing the need to know and the desire to know quickly to ensure that we have 100% accuracy, and that takes time. And that time can be very frustrating uh, in situations. When we have tragedies of such mul multiple uh, numbers and complexity, it's very challenging. Uh, it occurred in a very busy pedestrian area, and it occurred over a significant distance. And there were many who are injured as well as deceased. And we need to have a full understanding of both the injured as well as the deceased to truly understand who each of those peoples are to, to effectively provide information to those families. It's far different, for example, from somebody found in their house deceased. So why does it take so long? Most of the time people have identification on them and that gives us the first information as to who that person may be. So from that information, we then reach out to family members, and we have done that. The police service have done that, uh, working with us, and told the family that we believe their loved one has died. And we've asked them to help us to develop uh, a method to scientifically confirm those identifications. And those confirmations will be through dental x-ray comparison, uh, potentially fingerprint comparison, or if necessary, DNA comparison. So we are actively obtaining records. We have, as I say, notified families and told them that we believe tentatively that their loved ones have passed, but we've also provided great caution in that, and therefore we will not be releasing any of those names until we fully understand it. You know, I, people look different when they're deceased. Injuries occur, and we want to be very careful that we don't have any uh, confusion with that. There's a team actively working right now, forensic pathologists, forensic anthropologists, coroners, dentists, and scientists all working together, as I say, to, to make a plan and to develop this. Having said that, I don't believe that we will be confirming names for certainly uh, a number of days. And when we do, we will release those in, in a respectful way after the family are notified of the confirmation. So over the next number of days, we will be Doing that work, we will also be doing full examinations to fully understand the injuries that occurred and to help uh, inform family members, but also inform the criminal justice. So at this point, I, I, I will step over and the, the mayor will take over. Well, good afternoon. Uh, first and foremost, uh, may I begin, as I have previously in speaking to this matter, to express once again uh, my condolences on behalf of all of the people of uh, the City of Toronto to the families of those who continue uh, to suffer. Obviously, they've, uh, they, they are, have uncertainty added to the tragedy that happened yesterday, and many of the people in the surrounding areas have uh, some of the same uncertainty. But I will say in, in expressing our deep condolences and heartfelt sympathies that uh, both the Premier and myself have made inquiries uh, of uh, the officials and have been assured, and I am entirely satisfied that every possible resource uh, has been applied to the task that was just described to you and that uh, everything is being done as quickly as possible. And that includes the much less important uh, matters, but nonetheless uh, ones that I'm going to address which have to do with the city uh, and its uh, state of affairs. The city uh, itself, um, we're seeing what the city's made of today and I think in terms of its uh, sort of moral fiber and, and its spirit, 
uh, people are showing uh, the world our best, even on our darkest days. I think a visit to the memorial up at Young and Finch is something that is very moving because there have been hundreds and hundreds of people who have uh, been there and, and they've uh, joined in solidarity with all of those they don't know uh, to express their heartfelt condolences as well. We're seeing a great deal of uh, generosity of spirit, uh, but we're also seeing generosity that people want to express in other ways in terms of providing some degree of support uh, for the families that have been affected uh, by this. People want to help. Uh, they want to do something. Uh, we've seen uh, organizations start up fundraising campaigns, and one of the things we thought best uh, for us to do at the city was to be in touch with the Toronto Foundation to try and bring a degree of coordination to this. So you had one uh, well-known organization that has an organization in place to deal with precisely this kind of thing uh, that could help us to, uh, to in one place, uh, pull together the uh, generous support that people wish to offer of a financial uh, nature to support the families of those who've been killed or injured. And so uh, the City of Toronto has partnered with the Toronto Foundation, uh, and there will be initiated today a fund that is called Hashtag Toronto Strong Fund. And this will ensure that uh, donations can be uh, put together in one place and then can flow uh, to families and agencies and others uh, in an orderly fashion, including uh, victim services. Uh, the City and the Toronto Foundation have also been in uh, communication with GoFundMe and the organization Canada Zakat. They have both very generously and kindly stepped forward to uh, take some efforts, uh, some preliminary efforts to assist families as well. And these are all important efforts, and I want to express on behalf of the City and the people of Toronto our thanks. Thanks for people who have initiated that generosity. Uh, what we're now going to do is try to work with these groups to coordinate uh, all of these efforts and ideally to make sure that it is captured and coordinated in a, in a fully accountable and transparent manner in one place so that everybody knows uh, that, uh, that uh, exactly how things are being handled. Uh, so we're all working hard to respond to this uh, as best that we can. Uh, in terms of other uh, things, uh, we're, we're dealing here with a city that is in mourning, but we're strong and we're resilient, and we're, I think, showing the world how Toronto responds in times like these. And one of the challenges that has been in front of us uh, has been to keep the city uh, functioning. And uh, we've had, I should tell you, extraordinary help. And I want to just underline again, as I have in previous times that I've spoken, the work that has been done by all of our first responders yesterday and today, and the work that continues to be done, of course, in the main by uh, the Toronto Police Service is something that is, uh, was extraordinary to behold yesterday and continues to be extraordinary. And that, of course, not only extends to the work they're doing investigating, but also it includes the uh, cooperation that the police chief and his men and women have uh, shown to us in the context of, uh, of trying to uh, complete their work as soon as possible. And I should say I made it clear from my standpoint, while we want to get the city uh, functioning normally, that I wanted to make sure he had every opportunity to do his work completely and properly and thoroughly. Uh, but obviously we wanted to get the city uh, working. And I should say our city staff, uh, together with uh, staff from elsewhere, have also been very helpful in this regard. Uh, to that end, uh, the North York Civic Centre will reopen tomorrow uh, for business as usual, and uh, we expect that uh, to be the case and that there should be nothing that should alter that. Uh, as you know, more than half of the affected area has already been open to pedestrians and to traffic. Um, the closure, uh, the continued closure of part of the area uh, is posing difficulty for many uh, and is trying the patience of many, but I ask for people continued understanding. As you heard the chief indicate, uh, we expect that with all the work that is presently being done by the police service, by the TTC and by Canada Post uh, in this area, that it should be done uh, by the end of the day today. And so while we won't uh, miss the, we, will, we won't make the afternoon rush hour as a time that we can reopen the roads and reopen
reopen normal subway operations. Uh, we expect that will, in fact, be the case by early evening today. And so that means that uh, during the afternoon rush hour, it's likely uh, that the TTC will continue to bypass the North York station uh, and the section of uh, Young Street that is presently closed will remain closed. But by early evening, we expect the full extent of Young Street to be reopened and that the subway will then resume normal operations, including stopping uh, at the uh, at the uh, North York uh, Centre stop. And uh, I will just say once again uh, that in addition to the thanks the Chief offered to all of those from around the world uh, who have been in touch with Toronto to offer their condolences and their, uh, their sympathies, uh, thank you uh, to the surrounding municipalities who have helped the police service and others with the task of uh, doing all the work they have to do. Uh, thank you and in particular uh, to our own police service and to all of the people involved in this and all of the others involved in any way in emergency services, health care, the coroner's office, uh, thank you because they have done an extraordinary job. I can assure you having seen the chance, having had the chance to see a lot of it uh, firsthand. Thank you. Okay, so we'll open the floor to uh, some questions. Can you repeat the question? Can you confirm that a cell phone was seized? Yes, uh, there, there was a, a cell phone uh, from the suspect that was, in fact, seized. Detective Sergeant, can you talk a little bit about that time between when he allegedly rented this van and when the rampage allegedly started? Did he go straight from the rental place to Young and Finch, or are we talking about a matter of hours in between? And if so, have you been able to fill in that time? Uh, as I stated, because it is an ongoing investigation, I can't get too detailed. Uh, I can say that it was a fairly short uh, period of time, and we're working hard to fill in those gaps before uh, the events that occurred. You made a point of mentioning this Facebook post, which is something that we normally wouldn't necessarily hear, but is, th is there a reason that you mentioned that, and, and is there something you're reading into that? Uh, no. We, uh, we look at all aspects of what comes in an investigation. We take everything and we analyzed it and investigated it. Uh, I knew for a fact that it was in the media. It was very prevalent on television yesterday and in the papers. So uh, I'm not telling you anything that I think you yourselves and the public don't already know. And it's something that we'll take into account in this investigation throughout the coming weeks. Detective Sergeant, uh, I know you, you can't talk about motive, but the big question remains why. You did mention that Facebook post. Can you at least say if the suspect was frustrated with his relationships with women? Uh, again, because that's part of the evidence, that's going to be part of our investigation. Is there any group that you're talking to in relation that he may have been affiliated with in connection to that cryptic post? There's no group that we're speaking to. We, what we are doing is collecting all of the information that we can find. Uh, it's an ongoing process, and we will, over the coming weeks, investigate all of those aspects. Can you explain to us the number of women who were in the victims to give us a sense? Yeah, that's fair to say, predominantly female. Can you talk about age range? Uh, age range is anywhere between uh, uh, your mid-20s uh, up to uh, the area of 80s. Any indications that you knew any of the victims? There's no indication at this point. At this point in time. Was that the thing that was in his hand as he was being taken down? That's uh, we're going to have to examine video to ensure that. So I don't want to answer that conclusively until I've had a chance to uh, view all that video. I'm sorry, you have to repeat the question. Yes, it's all. It's all. In the same area, yes. Do you have any reason to believe that the suspect is mentally ill? 
uh, that's uh, that's something that would have to be explored, and it's far too early for me to make any comment on that right now. I don't have anything to say about that right now, except to say that it's something that over the coming weeks, uh, and I'm repeating myself, it's something that we'll be looking into. Yes, you mentioned that there's 15 injuries. Uh, you mentioned that there's 14 possible with follow-up investigation. Um, if 15 people were injured, can you explain to us so we can help explain to the public why there wouldn't be perhaps a 15 also? It was simply a matter of a miscount, uh, and we were able to look further and deeper into all the evidence that we had at the hospitals. As you can imagine, it's very confusing and it was just a miscount. And it's accurate as up, up to today, yes. There are in fact only 14 yes. uh, I can't speak to the uh, exact nature. I do have an idea and uh, it ranges from uh, uh, scrapes and bruises to um, terrible injuries that I won't get into discussing here. Can you tell us how many are in hospital? Sorry? I don't have an exact number of that. I do have investigators who are involved in tracking that, but I don't. To tell you, I know some have gone home, but to tell you an exact number, I'd be guessing. Most of the police are understanding the route he took. We've heard it, and he was, you know, are you mapping that together? How close are we to understanding exactly where the victims are and how that all went? That's being done. It's a, it's a part of the process of us going through the crime scene, and uh, we had the experts come from hit and run, as the chief uh, spoke of, from our service and other assisting services in conjunction with uh, forensic identification services. It's going to take a bit of time to make sure that we've got the proper route, but uh, we're still working on that. Can you talk about the state of the deceased in terms of how difficult it is to identify? might be a better question for Dr. Tyre, but is it more just what happened with tumbles? That you guys are being careful, or does it say something about uh, the state of the deceased? I believe the doctor would speak to that. So, in, in Ontario and, and generally in death investigation, when there's a complex incident like this, um, because of the potential, the severity of the injuries, which I'm not going to specifically comment upon because I haven't had an opportunity to uh, directly examine all of the deceased persons, um, but with that complexity also because of the, the number, uh, we always take an approach that we will use a scientific method to confirm the identifications to prevent any op any um, any confusion that may arise. If you think about visual, it's visual confirmation. So usually when we're doing a visual confirmation of an identity, we usually have strong belief that that's who the person is. And in fact, the visual isn't really an identification, it's a confirmation. And with uh, uh, many people who die within a, a complex situation such as this and many who are injured, we are very careful and therefore we use a scientific method so that there won't be uh, potential confusion. All right, you've been listening to live coverage of this press conference of the Toronto Police Service updating their investigation. Now, the Toronto Police say the victims were predominantly female. The police also seem to confirm that this bizarre and cryptic Facebook post did indeed come from the suspect. So what does that imply? We'll get into that coming up uh, in a few minutes. Rob Breckenridge with you. This is Afternoons on 770 CHQR. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.